0: If you can educate people on what you're doing, um, and you can educate people on the market that you're operating in, it gives you a significant amount of trust within the market that people will go out on a limb to work with you. Welcome to the Big Time
1: Podcast, where we have honest conversations with industry professionals who have advice that's right for you. In this edition of the Big Time Podcast, we meet with Michael Skurla, the Chief Product Officer at Radix IOT. He gives us some insight into how Radix is helping organizations to unify their Internet of Things data and make meaningful data-driven decisions. It's a complicated subject, so today we're going to ask all about their product education strategies and how they've been able to boost brand awareness. Welcome, I'm your host, Alexander. I'm excited to be joined by my guest today, Michael Scarla, who's based in Illinois, Chicago area. He's the Chief Product Officer at Radix IoT. Welcome, Michael. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me. Now, help me understand a bit more about uh, Radix IoT. When did you, what year did you start and how did it form? So we
0: started uh, in 2015 and we formed as a, a small company named uh, Bitbox at the time. Uh, The whole concept was around, we have data everywhere in everything, Um, and this is mostly in built infrastructure. So think of buildings, um, uh, your house even, and there's lots of different systems that are in these buildings, all giving a lot of data. The problem is they're all in separate little ecosystems. Um, And so think of your phone, you've got 30 apps to manage different things that's workable for a human being, but for a company that says, well, I've got about 50 or 60 locations. And then in each one of those locations, about 12 or 15 different systems like air conditioning, heating, um, IT systems, um, lighting systems, that becomes super unmanageable when you talk about efficiency and operations. So where we really set off is to say, well, all of these speak a language. Uh, The problem is sometimes they speak different digital languages. Can we bring all of this together, organize it into a structure, and then allow people to uh, not only manage this, but derive better outcomes for their property portfolio from this data uh, in a simplistic fashion? Um, And and it's been a tall order.
1: And you guys have built on a product, Mango, if I understand, to help in this IoT space, Internet of Things and data centers. But you also then have a service side to help implement it you got it
0: yeah so we acquired infinite automation systems uh, uh about a year and a half ago now um and that uh we merged our bitbox software into what is known as mango we kept the mango name at the time then we formed the company radix which was allowed us to have an identity really of both of these companies which did focus in different areas different markets um and uh, yeah, from there, we uh, Radix is about a year old. Actually, a few days ago, the name is a year old. Um, okay. And we've done really well. It, it, um, it, so the company about, is brought, we're brought together.
1: It's about about 50 people, the team there, uh, now that combined the, the two. But you're also part of a larger um, a holding company, Compass Data Centers as well? That's correct.
0: Yeah, we're about 50 people um, spread all across the world, honestly. We've got people in the U.S., um uh, uh south america all over um and even south africa
1: so uh, merging uh companies are coming together with another organization can happen um let's just start there because a lot of what we like to hear is the lessons learned and insights gathered over the years combining two companies what are some of the some of the lessons learned that you can share of bringing two teams together and two identities <laughs> into a new new one
0: yeah it it was uh well it was interesting because we had the two identities and then we were creating a whole new identity on top of that which was radix um there was two sides cultural and uh product um and the cultural side um worked really well we had the two teams that and luckily we were in the same industries we at times competed against each other in the past um but we had uh that was certainly uh a learning experience. Um, It took a lot of effort and particularly through COVID, because all of this happened through COVID, Mm -hmm. um, there are still people to this day um, from these two separate organizations that have not met face-to-face. We are almost an entirely virtual company. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was challenging in itself. And then we move into the product side where we wanted to take the two products and make it into one seamless experience and bring that together. that took, um, and again, with COVID in the way, it probably took a little longer than we wanted. Um, but in the end really turned out exceptionally well. I, I think it was fostered by the fact that both of the companies were remote companies to start. We mm-hmm. didn't have offices and we do, but like one or two people work there. Um, everyone is remote. So when COVID sort of came along, this was a natural transition for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Not to say it didn't have a lot of hurdles, um, but we were able to, I think, manage it better than some other companies could have.
1: If a smaller firm or company, they they don't have a a chief product officer or even a chief marketing officer yet, what would you say is some of the most effective um, tactics that you've done uh, and have experienced and said, well, if you don't have somebody to fully do this, at least do this?
0: Yeah. Um, and my opinion will differ from a lot of other people. Um, uh, I've done this with a few companies, brand awareness. Um, and, and, and what I mean by that is, um, brand awareness through education, I think is vital. Um, and it, it's an odd phrase. Uh, so everyone can go to a company and get a marketing pitch or a sales pitch. And we talk about elevator pitches. Um, that's all well and good. Um, But there isn't a trust factor there. Um, That is someone trying to sell you something. Um, And some people are very good at selling. You know, I'm not a sales guy, right? I'm a marketing guy. Um, I prefer to build up trust. I prefer to show us as an expert in the field. And then there is a natural gravitation um, of people that at least want to talk to you and engage with you. And this works very well on the enterprise side. Um, mostly because people want to talk to experts in the field mm-hmm. um, and engage with them and not just be pushed something. Because to be honest, in the, in, in the enterprise space, um, you talk to a lot of people and they're, the people who actually write the check, you are often very far removed from. So you are having to engage with a whole army to get
1: mm-hmm. consensus. Mm-hmm. Some of those efforts to build that brand awareness, build that trust, what are your go-to things? Are they case studies? Are they blogging? is is it interviewing experts? What have you done? That's worked? Uh,
0: so we have done case studies. Uh, case studies are great. Um, however, the the larger you move into bigger organizations, the harder you find uh, bigger organizations willing to let you use their name. Um, so that's always a problem with those. Um, I uh, one thing that I've always found very successful is, trade shows but not in the way that you will expect. Um if you are truly an expert in your field and you have something to provide most trade shows offer educational programs as part of them. Um and you can contribute to them. Oh so go um, speak at the trade show. You speak at the trade show. Um, and then you Wind up with wonderful conversations, and it's a two-way street. Not only um, now you, you're not speaking about your product generally; you're speaking about the market. Uh, but people, you know, will come and talk to you afterwards, and it's um, it's interesting because you get information from the market that they want to contribute to you. So you become a product manager by default because you're learning about the goods and the bads of what you just said and how it affects the market in in real life. But then it also gives you contacts with people that some turn into sales leads, other turn into just exceptional relationships um, that help you in the future. Um, um, Some of my best friends I've met because of trade show work and, and speaking and I go to dinner with them. Have I sold them anything? Nope, I'm not a sales guy, remember. So it's okay for me to say that
1: is there any lessons learned from yourself on, on your own time management of, of uh, how do you uh, make sure you're, you're investing in the right place, right time, and maybe how it's changed over the years since this merger and other things going on?
0: Yeah. So uh, time management was a really interesting thing, particularly during the, during the merger and after. Um, and because we have developers, we have people running projects, we have field technicians, we have um, programmers, UX designers, administrative staff, um, and all of this plays into, well, where is this time going and what is it attributed to? Remember, I said that we're a product company and a project company. Um, and the cost accounting side of projects is very important. Uh, how much effort are we spending for one client to another? And are we meeting the correct return investment goals uh, of mm-hmm. that? Keep in mind, we're a software company. We're SaaS-based. So um, it is a monthly reoccurring sort of model. And the mm-hmm. question is, if you're investing X amount of dollars in labor and you're not recouping that, it's just like selling your products. You need to understand the cost accounting.
1: Anything, Even outside the the, the software itself, lessons learned on, on the team and managing time of uh, maybe something that didn't work and that you guys had to change and, and, and improve on, or things that have worked?
0: Yeah. So, on the operational side, it was just like a slam dunk easy it, because we weren't doing a, a good job of that before. Um, on the development side, it was a bit different uh, because the development side, um, we use Jira, um, which a lot of development companies use for um, bug tracking, feature management. Um, it has its sort of own time function. Um, which is very granular, and uh, we struggled into whoa, we're sort of tracking two worlds of time and the same thing, and how do we reconcile this? Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, that was that took some time to figure out how we were going to do it, um, and we wound up actually not using JIRA time tracking, um, and using big time, and some of that came down to, um, uh, Big time allowed us to deal with things like part-time contractors and payroll integration and some of those other things that weren't totally just developer-based and have it all in one spot.
1: One of the questions I'm I, I always curious about is like, how do you know on the product side, indicators, what are you looking for when, when something's not going right? Like what's, what's kind of your, your, your red light of, okay, this, there's a problem with this potential project and there are people, the time or, or maybe the client uh, or a customer you have is asking for too much or there's something going off. Is there any indicators for you that you keep an eye out for?
0: Yeah, uh, a few. Um, one is simply the time. Um, you know, what is the time run on this when we run the report? Is there something that's weighted very heavily that we're investing a lot of time in that is, I, I would be considered stale work. Uh, and what stale work is, it's maintenance work. Um, it's not new project work. You expect to spend money on new project work, like, but six months down the line, are you at that still, are you at that same spend ratio? So that's that's one thing. Um, the other side of that is when you're looking at that expense ratio and you realize there isn't, there's money or buckets of time getting put in and they don't seem to reconcile back to project tasks. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's the task management. Um, We do use Jira for all of our task management. Um, And so we're able to look and say, oh, this project has like 70 tasks right to do it. And that's fine. Good. 70 things. Then you start looking at the time we um, for people that are really nerd out on JIRA stuff. We do use the concept of story points, which if no one knows what that is, it's the idea of ba- looking at something and saying, is this one or 10? You know, 10 means, oh, this is a lot of work. One means not so much. So you can mm-hmm. do some mental math and look at the time and say, well, all of these are ones. They shouldn't take that much time. You shouldn't be using 700 man hours. Um, so we do reconcile the two. Is it, is it the perfect solution? Is it the perfect way to do it? Um, no because you do need to use these two applications and sort of reconcile them. But again, compared to what we were doing a year ago, it's great. Um, and we're, we are making iterative improvements as we go on too, more on the JIRA side to help us with that flow. So.
1: Mm-hmm. For, for you, um, coming back to the, this marketing topic for for a second, in speaking to enterprise companies and trying to sell them that, we're capable of serving you and you don't need to do it internally. Cause a lot of times when it comes to technology or, or, or man hours, like, well, we'll just hire people potentially do it inside. Or what contractor should I choose? Is there any type of messaging that you found has worked well in communicating? Uh, you can trust us. We have, our team is effective. They know what they're doing and we have the right uh, technology for you.
0: Um, it's proof points. Um, it definitely is proof points. And, um, education, our reputation speaks for itself. Um, That is one of the reasons, and I'll go back to the education side. Um, If you can educate people on what you're doing um, and you can educate people on the market that you're operating in, it gives you a significant amount of trust within the market that people will go out on a limb to work with you. I've seen it over and over again, um, and it it goes into technology as well. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a parallel to that. The idea of proprietary eco- ecosystems compared to open source things. People tend to trust open source, and you see surveys off of GitHub and all other things. People trust open source because there is a transparency, and that's the same thing with a company. I have no problem teaching people our product and everything in it. By the way, most of the components within our product are on GitHub and we want people to explore it, file bugs against it. Um, and uh, I, I see that as a highly trustable mechanism where when you look at the proprietary schemes, you can say, well, it's proprietary. You can throw out those danger phrases. You know, It's about security. It's like, okay, so you're not gonna show me what you're doing for security. Um, but I have to trust you on that. That's interesting, an interesting model.
1: Well, thank you so much, Michael, for sharing the, the journey that you guys have been on, this uh, combining two companies together, being able to pioneer in the this data center and IoT world and some of the lessons learned in, in messaging and marketing. A uh, lot of great insight. Appreciate your time. Good to have you on. I really love being here. Thanks again. And we'll see you all on the next episode of Big Time Podcast.
0: For more info, go to podcasts.bigtime.net and be sure to subscribe to the Big Time Podcast to get notified when our next episode goes live.